Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Too Much Movie, a podcast that gets lost in those movies that are too much in the best possible way. I am one of your hosts. I go by either Fuckface or Asshole or Blake Howard. My co-hosts are a man who undertakes his work with a certain exuberance, the inventor of Scrabble, Robert Belushi. Say hello, Robert. Come on over here and sit on Uncle Shelley's lap. <laughs> and a big pimp-looking motherfucker with a hat, Christopher Candy. Say hello, Christopher. When in doubt, try the nearest bad guy. (laughs) Our film for this episode is The Last Boy Scout, a movie that reminds us that this is the 90s. You don't just go around punching people. You have to say something cool first. Water is wet, the sky is blue, women have secrets. Who gives a fuck? Too much movie does. That's who. Oh my god, it feels so good to be back. Miss you guys. Miss you. This movie, Rob, we have to talk about because Chris is gonna have a confession. He's a first timer. Uh, what? Boy Scout. Yeah. Yeah. I had never seen this movie before, and so um, I just uh, was, you know, a virgin going through the whole experience and loved every second of it. It is like a missing link to my soul that I, you know, was always there, but got fulfilled in its viewing for the first time. Ain't life a bitch. Within the first five minutes of this movie, I was like, I'm going to love this movie. (laughs) It's such a great start. I mean, unlike you, I I watched this movie when I was very too young. And like there are four 
or five things that I think about probably on a weekly basis from the time I was like 12 or whenever this movie came out. And that opening is one of them. It was like Billy Cole. Oh gosh. What, how amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. It's not only the Friday night football, it's the guy, the, the actual guy who pulls the revolver on the field. His name's Billy Cole. Okay, like, okay, so could, okay. Chris is not going to know the names like Rob and I have had them in our lives. Like, Billy Cole's playing a game with life out there. Um, yeah. You, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, it, I, <laughs> I have been known to be on a suburban football ground and someone's just, we're just watching a game. Could be soccer, could be rugby union. And I don't know any of the people's names. And I will say, Billy Cole's having a game with life out there. <laughs> Just point to a random person. I have been known to There's do that. There's a lot of money on this game, William. You <laughs> oh, better gosh. get into the end zone. <laughs> so Rob, uh, Rob tweeted this, which is probably what instigated us uh, fast-tracking Last Boy Scout up our Really, I mean, the 90s is just an endless well of amazing films. So we're going to keep going about all this sort of stuff. But Rob, what did you say? Like, you, you tweeted something like Taylor Negron's, uh, Taylor Negron's, who's the bad guy in this movie's death, is like one of the three or four things you think about more than anything else. Am I, am I paraphrasing you correctly there? What did you tweet? Uh, no, and it I think... absolutely went gangbusters. Because <laughs> I remember it's one of the most retweeted things I saw in my feed constantly. People just retweeting it, retweeting it, retweeting it. I think I said the happiest moment of my childhood was when Milo goes through the uh, helicopter blades. <laughs> what that a ending. fantastic death. Yeah, really good. Lots oh, of good deaths I, in this too. Lots of good deaths. Yeah, definitely. Um, that 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 is a contender for one of the best deaths I've ever seen on screen. <laughs> yeah. It, it just encapsulated like, 90s indulgence in such a perfect way it was like not only is it at the football game not only is it an epic fall it goes through the fucking helicopter it is just beautiful beautiful and brutal i loved it beautiful uh i agree 100 percent, chris i'm like gosh darn it like what first of all what a great 90s movie and it is too much movie in the best possible way and like yeah. what well-paced action throughout like the the opening you know looks like real opening to a monday night football game or sunday night football game but it's friday night with the theme song and and that that suicide murder on the field but then the narrative the narrative starts with an explosion with mike's car it ends with an explosion in shelly's uh mansion at the end just like things are well-timed every, you know, 10, 15 minutes with like the car chase, the pool going, the, the car going into the pool, uh, the, the drive-by uh, sequence outside um, uh, Halle Berry's club, uh, that wonderful guy getting hit, uh, you know, just his legs with the car. And it's like, it's really a great um you know, character arc for two broken, battered losers mm-hmm. with potential that find each other to fill in the gaps, which is very Shane Black and all their repartee. But it's threaded together with all this wonderful action, which is underplayed by the, uh, you know, the heroes, Jimmy Dix and, uh, you know, Joe Hallenbeck, ugly, ugly Joe Hallenbeck. Yeah. And, I just love it. We got to get the pedigree information out of the way. Firstly, Go for it. it's directed by Tony Scott. 
the legendary Tony Scott, who Rest since his own tragic passing has been reappraised because it was always kind of like Ridley. It was like, oh, Ridley's the guy. And then I think there were, you know, especially championed by filmmakers like Quentin Tarantino. He's like, yeah, look, Ridley's good, but I'm a Tony guy. And then you go back to Tony Scott's entire resume and it's just ridiculous, you know, like mm -hmm. fr from top to bottom, absolutely outstanding. Written by Shane Black and by all accounts because of the Joel Silver of it all uh, um, uh, uh, as the producer, the script differs is and is much darker, much, much darker with lots of really dark subplots than what originally what sort of comes on screen. And and Bruce Willis starts feeling himself. Joel Silver starts feeling himself. They come in and things get changed. But the cast, obviously, Bruce Willis as Joe Hallenbeck, which some people say, some people would argue, and I would almost be one of these people. It's my favorite. It might be my favorite Bruce Willis character. Above mm, John I mean, McClane. Above John McClane. Okay. It's, it's such a great tandem to John McClane. Yeah. Because... They're both sides of the spectrum of hero, you know, yeah. of un, unsuspecting, unprepared hero. And I think, you know, it's one and one A for me. I mean, John Clayne is so, I, I mean, John McClane is so iconic. You cannot beat him. But like Joe Hallenbach as a, uh, you know, lifelong partner to Hallenbach is <laughs> for me right there. Well, it's also interesting, like with this, like every, um, you know, Bruce Willis film that I've seen of this kind of pedigree and caliber, he's always hung over at the beginning of it. And he's always like yeah. just eating like a mouthful of aspirin as if they're Tic Tacs. <laughs> like there's always a scene like where he's just clobbering down aspirin. Die and... with a vengeance, baby. That I mean, one of the great sequels of all time is that how absolutely shit faced. I, I don't think he's hung over, Chris. I think he's still shit faced. He's just he's trying to turn it around. He's trying to turn yeah. it around with aspirin. He's like, oh, if I just chew down these aspirin, this would be the way. And he's re he's what he's doing is he's redoing Hallen back there. Yeah. Yeah, last Boy Scout was first. Yeah, obviously Damon Wayans, Jimmy Dix, one of his first big kind of like action dramatic performances, leaping from stand up. He'd been massive at that time. Chelsea Field plays Sarah. Noble Willingham plays Shelly Marcone, um, one of the greatest eighties slash nineties villains of all time. Taylor Negron plays Milo. Fantastic. One of my guys, Bruce McGill. Mike Matthews, mm -hmm. head of gut. Love Bruce McGill. Bruce, Bruce McGill. McGill's great. Yeah. Totally rules. And then you've just got. Obviously, Halle Berry. Mm -hmm. Wow, Halle Berry, one of her first performances in the, um in in Hollywood movies. Um, and then you've got a great batch of faces, and I, I'll say these names, you guys won't even really know them, but it's Joe Santos, Tony Longo, Bill Medley, Dick Butkus, Frank Collison. These are all of the henchmen who you love at all cops who bust Joe's balls. These are all those Kim guys. Coats! Kim Coates, yeah. Kim yeah. Coates is. I was yeah. just about to get so to good. Kim Coates. Just the Canadian to... Carnival. Kim Coates. <laughs> I was just about to get to Kim. Yeah. I want to give him a special mention because he has one of the. Uh, also, okay. we're talking about we talk about death scenes. Milo's death yeah. scene is good, but I can. This is why the we have benefited of the last Boy Scout being chopped up into scenes on YouTube, just because you can watch just the Kim Coates scene. Like mm -hmm. every day, if you want, where he like smack, touch me again, I'll kill you, and then he just gets up and goes bang. And I think he actually popularized that. Boomba, baby. 
Oh yeah, you want to have a cigarette? Yeah, no problem. Oh yeah, a lighter. Yeah, here, here you go. Yeah. <laughs> so violent, Rob. If that's not on your show reel, what are we even doing? What are, oh, you you need to do that guy? That was the that like that like that like made my heart sore. Felt like I was it's watching my favorite one of my part of the movie. <laughs> I feel like I watched one of my children be born. I was so happy seeing that impression. It was so good. Um, but no, that's an amazing scene. And this movie being chopped up into little segments, I think, is what is keeping it alive. Like you know, not only that it's available more readily on like streaming services and stuff like that, and um, obviously with Bruce Willis's, you know, announcement recently that he was retiring because of, you know, his cognitive issues, everyone was just pouring back over his resume. And this one seemed to be one that was like popping up, popping up as, you know, this absolutely, you know, enduring one that we're going to talk about. Firstly, the original title for this movie was Die Hard. Mm. What? Yeah. So Shane Black had written this movie. It was called Die Hard. And Joel Silver, who produced Die Hard, stole the title for John McTiernan's Die Hard. Mm. Oh, okay. And, um, and then, like, I think originally Die Hard was called Nothing Lasts Forever. So take with it, take what it would, with you will, like Nothing Lasts Forever, and then it was just Die Hard um, in 1988 before this movie was made, and then eventually it was made. Um, so that was, that was back. Joel Silver sort of said this back in 2016 at a, at a nice guys Q and a, we can talk more about the nice guys later. Um, but mm. there's lots of, there's lots of fun facts. The other thing I would say, Tony Scott, obviously the director, uh, you know, one of the rare people that Quentin Tarantino actually allowed to make one of his scripts into a film. Um, he hated Joel Silver so much on this film that Lee Donowitz from true romance, the movie producer and cocaine dealer in the movie was based on Silver and he made sure that he acted like Joel Silver because he wanted to kind of send him up in the next thing that he did. Wow. Saul Rubinek, nailing Saul Rubinek, it. Absolutely killing it. Killing it. Absolutely killing it. All right, gentlemen, we've kind of talked about this uh, to start off with. We might uh, take a quick break and then we'll come back and we'll talk about our two favorite scenes. If, it's, if you can even narrow it down. It's impossible not to narrow it down, I, I, I think, but we'll, we'll do our best. All right, Rob, you've kind of already given us a bit of a hint about your favorite scenes of the movie. So let's, let's talk about your two favorite scenes. We'll, there's, I think, feel like there's going to be crossover in this. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, the it's it's easy. I mean, it's Kim Coates and Bruce Willis in Shelley Marcone's indoor pool with whatever freak henchman is behind them. Thing is wet. Make sure. Ah! 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 Yeah. I'm awake. You nearly broke my wrist, man. Marla warned us to watch out for this guy. Now fuck that. Fuck you. Fuck that. Look at him. He's nothing, guys. Piece of shit. You got a cigarette? 
Cigarette? Yeah, sure. Yeah, cigarette. Family's not so bad. It's the Boomba baby. Uh, the most ecstatic, scene chewing, psychopathic henchman performance with less than fifteen lines in a movie ever. Kim Coates, right, wearing the championship belt and absolutely bringing me the most pleasure of any moment in any movie since the time I was eleven years old. My buddies and I used to do that to each other. We'd like, you know, like push someone, you know, into a brick wall and be like, Boomba, baby, you know, like right in their ear. <laughs> like, uh, absolutely the best. And it's the introduction of Milo. Like, you know, I mean, we've seen him before. We see him in the opening with the Billy Cole, played by Billy Blanks of Tybo Fortune, actually, which I just realized. And, um, wow. you know, it's a strong, important scene where, the hero is, you know, the, the bad guys have the hero at last. And you know, the the stakes are really uh, bolstered. But, man, this movie is such a fun romp mm-hmm. through L.A. And uh, I just, it's, I love that scene. And I love Kim Coates. God. Chris, you got a favorite? I, yeah, I, I guess I, I have, like, so many similar favorites to you guys. And I think I'm going to just point out some ones that, like, stood out to me, like, um, obviously like I love like the beginning of the film in regards to the contrast that happens between this like very bright and like, you know, poppy TV commercial and the music video kind of that leads into Monday night or Friday night football for that matter. Then yeah. I just love how gritty and dark everything is afterwards, like the, the rain, so much rain. He's, yeah. I love that Tony Scott was like, he makes one of the coolest gladiatorial versions of football that you see on cinema i think the next the next one that gets close is absolutely a candidate for too much movie which is any given sunday like once you saw once you saw football in any given sunday you're like wow this is it but like he makes it that authentic and then as a brit he's just like nah it's gonna be raining and they're like how much rain tony he's like all the rain more rain rain. than los angeles has ever had in one day is gonna be at this stadium and i was like It's just, that's just unforgettable. It looks so dark. And now when you get to look at it on kind of like 
a little bit of upscaling. It's had some sort of like high definition transfers. It still looks mm -hmm. fucking amazing. Like amazing. You can't even believe it. I just love like the setup that it does for the movie because I kept on thinking that this is very much like Die Hard meets Chinatown. And um, it's this kind of dark film that deals with industry and corruption in LA and, and like things that all of us love to see on cinema. And, you know, and the, the other scene I wanted to bring up that kind of tandems that is like how we meet Hollenbeck. It's like he's in his car asleep. These kids are fucking with him. They put like a dead squirrel on him <laughs> yeah. or they put like... Yeah. Just and but what I love is the how they pan down from that like postmodern drawing of that woman to the car. He's asleep in it, and I'm just like that. That was the moment I was watching it, and I was going, "You see the city in the background." I'm going, "I'm gonna love this movie." Uh, it, yeah. it just it really grabbed me in 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 what I, I I dig about movies that take place in L.A. and and when they are able to capture the essence of the city, which this m movie does multiple times, and and you know other uh, Tony Scott movies do that just as well. Like they just, they capture the essence of the city and you're buckled up, ready to go and, and you're in. So that's what I, you know, I, those are scenes. Obviously I love all these other scenes so much, but you know, just the ones that I remember that stood out upon my first viewing. I'm like, this is what hooked me. Chris, I love that too, because what, what you're saying about the look of LA that he gets so right, you know, is um, the, whatever, um, Oh shit! What are they called? You put them between the the lens and filters. They're called yeah, filters. Yeah. Thank whatever filters he's using. Anytime they're in the daytime, the air always looks hot and dirty. Yes, and they're yes. and they're always on freeways, which yeah. I love. Like, it's, and it's crazy to me. Also, where Joe Hollenbeck lives is mm -hmm. the Pacific Palisades Bluffs, where yep. a young Rob Belushi smoked so much weed yeah. so much weed <laughs> that's a deep cut Sober for today, locals yeah yeah i i just the bluffs man <laughs> i think the I'm, bluffs are i'm not a local but this is the thing that i hate with los angeles some los angeles films is they get swept up in this kind of Versailles decadence and they go to these unbelievable areas that are really rich and closed sure. off and have no texture. And you watch something like last boy scout and it was like, it's funny. This is a bit of a random digression, 
But have you guys seen McConaughey's The Lincoln Lawyer? Yeah. Really terrific. You know what? Blake, interestingly enough, sidebar. Go ahead. You, you, no, just no, come back to me. I'm, 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 to I'm me holding. Lincoln Lawyer is great. I'm, I'm bookmarking that. Lincoln Lawyer, the film, has a lot of that Tony Scott skyline. Like it's feel Los Angeles feels dirty, sunsets, mm. life. Um, people lit like the real people who live in the town don't live in these incredibly decadent, slightly romantic. He lives up on the hill. He's got a great view. Amy Brenneman, Edie and Heat style. But you know we can we can. But get he by still lives that. in like a he lives in like a bungalow though. Yeah, it's a bungalow. It's a and that's yeah. what I love about this energy is like people live in bungalows or live out in the suburbs. Whereas in a lot they actually remade the Lincoln Lawyer um, uh, into a show. And you see the show and everyone lives like they're living in... He's in Malibu. Yeah, it's some right. ridiculous decadent. And you're like, who earns this much money? You know what I mean? Like, where are the real people that live in this town? And it really is frustrating, especially as an outsider. Like, having only passively gone through LA, I'm just like, it doesn't feel like LA. It doesn't feel like the town. It feels like a set of the town that it's, you know, um, unnecessarily being set there. But sorry, Rob, let's go back to you. So you're saying... Um, Lincoln Lawyer. No, I love that. And like, you know, just to tie, uh, thank you, to tie Chris's, you know, the opening with uh, Heller and his car is like, that looks like 1991 Echo Park and yeah. not 2022 Echo Park, you know, where like yeah. it, you got the hills and you're, you're more towards downtown and it's like not fucking Brentwood. But, yes. but off the Lincoln Lawyer, it's just funny that you bring that up. You know, I mentioned to you today, I am 15 years sober today. Oh, and 15 years ago, thank thank you. 50, I didn't obviously haven't done everything perfectly. And if you're bored, tune out. But 15 years ago, I was looking at some very serious jail time. And a, a, a kid that I partied with, his dad was a lawyer. And I called this kid and I was like, dude, I have no money. No one's going to help me. You know, my parents weren't talking to me. And I called this kid's dad, a kid, he was older than me, but like this fellow's dad. And it was this guy, David Ogden. And he took care of me. You know, I had multiple charges over a month and he saved my life. Like he, he did a bunch of stuff. Wow. That it's not that I got away with it all because I sure, I sure didn't, but I didn't go to jail, which is probably has a lot to do with my own privilege in this you know, white supremacist city, <laughs> but also this incredibly kind, incredibly professional man named David Ogden, who gave me flat rates, let me pay over a period of time because I didn't have any money. And that dude uh, has since passed. It was right before he retired. And that's who the Lincoln lawyer was based on. David really? Ogden. Michael Connolly drove around with David Ogden because he was always in the car and he had a car phone and he had a dry a real driver of a, of a person he exonerated as his driver um and did so much business driving from like san bernardino to el segundo like to court all day that he just stayed in the car and they, that's how he got called the lincoln lawyer he didn't have a fleet of lincolns like the netflix show he had a, a lincoln you know because he needed more room but a tremendously kind and compassionate and wonderful man who today of all days in this moment, thank you for letting me think. I hope you hear me. You know, I told you I'd get sober and I stayed that way, but That's I told awesome. him a couple times I'd get sober. And finally, <laughs> finally it was true. <laughs> finally it was true. 
Anyway, oh back God. to the last. No, podcast. that's a great. That's a great digression. And congratulations, my man. You're you're. It's it's freaking awesome. You are the Boy Scout that uh, is in this. Now, uh, you, yeah. now, now you're, you're the Boy Scout. Now you're the From Boy Scout. Jimmy no. Dix to uh, the Holland <laughs> Can um, I uh, also say real quick too, just with this movie, it's also like just riddled with really fun moments that we do see in a ton of other movies. And one that does stand out um, is that who's the guy in the closet scene? You know, oh, it's like yeah. so the, good. Just that traditional kind of like you know, uh, desperado style gonna shoot no matter what happens. <laughs> and then we, you know, obviously further the plot more and discover who is in the closet, which is, um, uh, Bruce McGill, Mike yeah. Matthews. And that is just such a, such a, I saw that scene and I wrote it down. I'm like, God, the who's in the closet scene, Yeah, you know, we've seen it played out and I'm pretty sure, you know, it was either, I don't know if it started there, but it's one of those scenes that just, you love to see in one of these movies. Hey, free time. How much did you lose? I wasn't there to gamble. How much? I was doing a skip trace. Fifty bucks. What is this? Darian's class drew holiday pictures. That was hers. Obviously, her teacher wants to see us. Where is she? Stop at a friend's. We're still giving her a hard time about the braces. You kidding? Metal mouth, that's the latest. Oh, bastards. She'll be screwing them by the time she's 14. Watch your goddamn mouth, Joe. Oh, Christ, Sarah, you let her wear enough makeup. She looks like a, a goddamn raccoon. I come in the house, I think, Christ, it's a burglar. I almost shot her twice. You're not funny, and all the girls at that school wear makeup. Well, I'm sure all the girls at that school don't put it on with a paint sprayer. For your information, a lot of people think I'm very funny. Yeah, well, go live with them. Don't tempt me. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Who's the guy in the closet? Excuse me? Oh, that's right. Sometimes you forget I'm a detective. See, there's all this steam in the shower like somebody was just in there. Only your hair's dry. 
So it must be somebody else we're talking about. The male somebody, because the toilet seat's up. Since he's not under the bed, I figured you must have stuck him in the closet when you heard my key hit the lock a day early. So, who's the guy in the closet? Jesus Christ, nothing changes. You're still a lunatic. Gonna tell me who it is? You want me to open the closet, Joe? I'll do it, okay? And then we'll both know that you're a fucking psycho. Is that what you want, huh? No. Thank you. The door stays shut. What I'm gonna do is count to three. Then I'm gonna put a bullet in that door. Oh, you can stop me anytime by telling the truth. One. Call your shrink, Joe. Call him and tell him that you're fucking losing it. The truth is a beautiful thing. Two. How dare you come into this house and pull the shrink? No! Look, Joe. Keeping it warm for me, Mike? Easy. Don't do nothing dumb. How was she? On your finger scale, how was my wife? just happened, Joe. It... Sure, sure, I know. It just happened. Could happen to anybody. It was an accident, right? You tripped, slipped on the floor, and accidentally stuck your dick in my wife. Whoops. I'm so sorry, Mrs. H. I guess this just isn't my week. I, I might tread on my own favorite quote scene, because this is one of my favorite scenes almost ever in a movie. It's when... It's when Joe goes into his office. I firstly love the kids who screams. Oh, yeah. The kid, the kid covers so, his mouth like. Goes, oh! I that I love it because I'm like when we were he kids, like watch, when we were kids, like and you get scared. You you haven't gone through puberty yet, and it felt so real because you like scream like a girl. Ah, like you just run the and squealing. The, the squealing. Yeah. And like, especially uh, my little boy is um, four. And when I tickle him or anything like that, his little scream, it's just like that kid, like, ah, like it just goes up. And I love when he goes into his office and Mike calls him. Yeah. You still taking charity? What do you got? Stripper, uh, excuse me, exotic dancer. She's got some weirdo hassle in her one surveillance and I'm book solid. She's hot, Joe. She rates a three on my finger scale. I'd cut off three of my fingers if God had let me fuck her. <laughs> Make her one on your nose scale. Prove your looks. Yeah, 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 eat me. So listen, I'm booked. You got plans? Thinking about smoking some cigarettes. Could you postpone? These are pretty good cigarettes. It's 500 bucks, Joe. You gotta run some errands. Meet you at your office in an hour. Terrific. Comb your hair. He's like, what are you doing? Jacket. I'm thinking about smoking some cigarettes. Could you postpone? These are pretty mm -hmm. good cigarettes. I, 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 that might be my, one of my favorite scenes. It what, might be a line I've said so many times, like uh, as a former and trying to quit smoker, um, you, there's been so many times where people are like, do you want to go over here? I'm like, these are pretty good cigarettes. Like I'm just <laughs> sitting down having a cigarette. These are pretty good cigarettes. I'm not sure if I can go. Uh, that's absolutely one of my favorite scenes. And Blake, I'm so sorry. 
in a time where you see all these younger actors who clearly have never smoked a fucking cigarette in their life <laughs> to go back to 1991 Bruce Willis and watch him smoke like a maniac for two yeah. hours. Like as a guy with a piece of Nicorette in my mouth right now while I'm talking, like he is a beautiful, he smokes like I smoke, which is just without, like the cure for existential dread <laughs> is in that tiny little tube. You know what I mean? He smokes like a machine. Like I, and he does this a couple of times in the movie. He like relights his own cigarette with the half lit, mm-hmm. like, but, and st- he's just, he's a heroic smoker in this movie. I think that that has to be said. Uh, when he takes the butt off the ground yeah. before he gets knocked out outside the strip club, you look at it and it does look pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> um, my other favorite scene, talking about action and unexpected action and things that appear in other movies, I just love when they go and find the explosive that's actually in Halle Berry's car after she passes away. Oh, yeah. And he puts it in, he, he instinctively puts it in the trunk and it has that great exchange, the inventor of Scrabble exchange. And, and then he chucks the keys and then the guy goes to shoot the boot. I just, the whole way that that entire scene unfolds, like the chemistry of the characters, the unexpected nature. And then of course it's a Tony Scott movie. So it's just elevated on elevated on elevated. So like the the explosion nearly happens. Joe gets it. He puts the plastic in the boot. He gets it. Bang. The explosion happens. And then they jump down the hill and then the car exploding and on fire rolls after them. I just think that that's like, that is a perfect action beat. Like it might yes. not be an entire scene, but it's a perfect action beat of say he saves his saves Jimmy, stops the car, disconnects the explosive, puts it there, and then has to improvise. And I think that that's what I love about Hallenbeck is like he, when he improvises, it just seems like everything goes his way. But obviously, he gets the shit beat out of him in the process. But I just love that scene. It's probably one of my favorite scenes ever. Yeah, he, yeah. He's so good. I mean, he. And, and the Shane Black, Tony Scott combo, like all those moments are so clever and yes. fun. Like, uh, you know, later on, we see that with the with the cat puppet and Darian and Jimmy Dixon, like Tony Scott's ode to North by Northwest. You know, I mean, all I can think about is North by Northwest and that briefcase <laughs> handover scene with those yeah. trees. It's like yeah. so even recent Terry Grant, one last kiss before the final deal. And when Darian shows up with that cat and, you know, has hidden the gun in there that she's purloined from from her dad's closet, and he does all those bits with the cat, makes everyone laugh. He's his his humor is dis uh, dis uh, what's disarming. the word? Disarming. disarming. Yeah, yeah. He uses humor to disarm bad guys, um, and he's almost utterly humorless in his <laughs> life. And it, it's just mm-hmm. a fun. It's just a fun. You know, the, the movie's full of callbacks and that kind of comic through line or yeah. uh, thematic through line that, that that's really tight and really awesome, you know, to Alex, the accountant. To Alex, the accountant. What a beautiful <sighs> touch. All right, let's take a quick break and we'll come back with our two favorite characters, which is all, you know, patently impossible. Okay, two favorite characters, Rob Belushi, You've already kind of given us one of you've you've already done an impression of probably one of your favorite characters, but do you, can you narrow it down to a favorite character in this movie? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's Joe. Like it's gotta be Joe. Kim Coates has the best moment and, and Damon Wayans is, is great. Uh, His, 
weird homophobic bits that are so 90s aside um but it's it's a bruce willis that is so you you can just taste it in your mouth his yeah. <laughs> absolute you know downfall in every moment of his existence that he feels the shame and lack of self-worth and going through the motions of life and and i, I think he's brilliant in the role and um this scene that I like after the Kim Coates scene is the one where Jimmy Dix comes home to his house and they meet Darian, which, you know, which we see the dysfunction in that family. She's fantastic. And um, which leads into the bathroom scene where he catches Jimmy Dix, you know, Demerol, cause he needs a shot. You know what I mean? And he, he punches him and kicks him out of the house. Like the intimacy of that scene and Joe Hollenbeck's place in it is, is really a wonderful, um, you know, deeper dimension of why he's so upset with the world as it is, how his family's played out, his place on the, uh, you know, outer rings of any kind of organized system where he would have any worth. And I just think he's wonderful. Mm -hmm. It's so funny, effortlessly, so gruff and just a beautiful loser, you know? Totally. I hate that there are three movies like The Expendables that Bruce Willis came back for, and we were never allowed to have 20 Joe Hallenbach movies. Like, it's yeah. just a, it's a crime. It's a crime. He, he's, he's such a phenomenal actor, and at this time, I mean, I know the movie ultimately at the time was a, probably a failure. I mean, he didn't really, he wasn't doing anything that was colossal failures at that time. He'd been so ginormous and he, his career was so long and had so many peaks and valleys as great actors do. But I just look at this and I think Joe Hallenbeck is just out. He's outstanding. There are five diehard movies and there's one last Boy Scout. And I'm like, Joe Hallenbeck is like, it's his other thing. It's like, it's, a, it's the Rambo to his Rocky. Like, I don't get how we didn't get a whole other series and have this really grimy LA because he's, he, you can, ch you can pick him up and throw him to any town in the United States. And Joe Hallenbach works. Like, I mean, I know LA would be the best one, but it's like you could move him around and yeah, he just feels so wonderful. I, 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 I agree. He's my yeah. absolute favorite, but Taylor Negron's Milo's my second, my, my other favorite character. I think in this movie, I think he's as a bad guy's henchman, who's essentially like equal level bad guy of Shelley Marcone, like Shelley Marcone's the architect that Milo's the primary antagonist. Taylor Negron is just, talk about a guy that is nothing on the page and mm -hmm. you make him unbelievably memorable. It's like the Benicio del Toro, uh, like usual suspects, like nothing on the page character really, or like pretty, pretty straightforward character. He has a little affectation calling people, you know, their extended first name, Christopher, Robert, etc. Um, he calls me Joseph. Um, but I, he's just outstanding as well. I love Taylor Negro. No, nothing, nothing to say against, uh, Damon Wayans, but I would say those two are my absolute two favorite characters in this movie. Did anyone bother to frisk this fuck? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, officer. There are too many bullets in this gun. <laughs> so good. <Yeah. laughs> so good. Mimi, the Coliseum. I'm, I'm going to show you what a great gauge he is when he's talking about how I'm a daughter. daughter. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's nasty. Chris, any other characters that stood out for you? Yeah, I think like you guys covered it. Obviously, like I just have to say that like the 
the chemistry with Damon Wayans and Bruce Willis was just like spot on. It was like funky. It was like, you know, not I what like you would Prince. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's his first laugh. That's yeah. Joe Hallamack's first laugh in the movie. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it just it 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 isn't like typical in the sense that like you know Damon Wayans is clearly like a comedian and you know Willis is definitely you know kind of doing his thing, but it just works in this really clever way and makes the film like all in all stand out. So you know I'm gonna talk yeah Damon Wayans I loved him as Jimmy Dix I just thought he was like a great kind of antihero he he was kind of evil and good at all the same times that like that kind of like aggressive like forced blowjob scene that he stops in the beginning of the movie is yeah. just just like such a great example of where he's coming from. He's at the bad parties. He's with all the assholes, but you know, he knows where to pinpoint when things are going bad, too far, stand up for somebody. And best arm in the that. national league, you son of a bitch. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So good. So good. Yeah. He just, he, he crushes it. He's really, really good in this film. He really does. And he's, you know, look, starting with colors and all through the nineties, he's great. And like, what I love about Dixon Hollenbach is, you know, um, it's coming out of some very strong and like at the time, surprising buddy cop lethal weapon. I mean, I remember lethal weapon and 48 hearing, hours come out within yeah spitting distance of one another. Yeah, exactly. And um, you know, kind of, kind of building on that, but now both guys are just, you know, they're not like psychotic, but also a genius or like, you know, a, a family man, you know, and has to get a little loose. Like they're both just fucking losers who have <laughs> right, nothing but right. each other. And that is like trans, you know, uh, transmitted across both those guys who find each other in the bottom. And then um, it, it's, it's such a great, like Blake, like you're saying, it ends with their partnership, just like the nice guys another Shane Black movie that we should already have had three sequels to another great two kind of outcast LA dipshits that find strength in each other that are wonderfully funny with great chemistry and a very specific and intelligible Los Angeles in, you know, a different time, but like he's the best Shane Black's the best. And and I wish there was more, I wish there was more of nice guys and I wish there was more, uh, last boy scout i don't know what i want more more master and commander or more nice guys i don't they're probably <laughs> equally more on the russell crowe canon i may need more of both um but yeah nice guys feels like it's something that could happen again and they've always tinkered with the idea of maybe there's like a sequel set in the 80s in la and i'm like yes what are we Would doing love that. an 80s sequel then it. a 90s sequel just take three years off and write the 90s sequel like and yeah. you know like let's go see shane black now as a writer director re reapproach these materials that were adapted mm-hmm. by other people because i think shane black's so cool but i was talking recently to our mutual friend jed Ayers, rob about the tony scott shane black is different to the richard donner shane black yes he's different yes. to shane black himself adapting his own material like some moments are dark in what some films and then others are really funny you know mm-hmm, it's, and even mm-hmm. the lethal weapon franchise goes from like insanely suicidal maniac dark to kind of like a slapstick Hong Kong action movie comedy. Like, and, and it's all kind of the same characterizations and the same sort of understanding, but it, 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 it does, it can like bend its will to whatever the tone they want to set in a movie. And I, I like this one because it feels, even though it doesn't get as dark as they say, I think the implicit, the lines are that it's, 
as dark as it gets, really. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of married to Lethal Weapon 1 in my mind in that way. Like, it's funnier than Lethal Weapon as far as, like, comedic beats. Um, but the same darkness, the same grittiness, the same grime, the underbelly of L.A., um, they, they all feel very, very in harmony. I have to say, well, too. And, and if these guys don't find each other, they find each other at the absolute lowest points of their life, similar to these other movies. And, like, yeah. if they don't find each other, maybe maybe they don't make it another three years on their own maybe they don't find the will and they do something really bad to themselves like they carry that in the performances and and shane black is a lot more playful when he's at the helm i i think in terms of tone but like you can see it across all these these couplets that they're i don't know they're just amazing it's definitely like a super team it's a super group going on right now we're watching like a super group jam band that we didn't know we were watching like everyone's just like (laughs) everyone's everyone's flexing and like some are going to go on to have crazy careers i i wanted to give a quick shout out though too to like a lot of these other like we always pick these films that have just like stacked character actors and you know um you know noble willem uh, with shelly and like i have to say too like um the daughter the daniel harris uh performance she just is such like a badass you know um you know really like you're such a fuck up yeah, it's but then she just like transcends and it's just like she's fun and along for the ride. Again, that's kind of like another like trope these movies have that kind of could be made fun of where like there's a daughter who gets in the way of the violence and she's in crazy danger at the end. But again, like it's why we come to watch these movies because they're just like Big Macs. You know, they're just like the, <laughs> they're the hamburger of movies. You know, you're just like, fuck, yeah, man. So, yeah, I, I, I you know, a lot of great character actors. And also, too, I was mentioning uh uh, last week when we were talking about this sh- this episode, um, I got to give a shout out to Manny Perry. Manny Perry is um, a stuntman who is in like a billion movies, but he is in that um, the 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 money scene. He's the cigar thug credited in this movie. Worked with my dad on a bunch of movies, and he is still working. And he does primarily a lot of stunts. He was a bodybuilder with Arnold Schwarzenegger back in the Muscle Beach days. Um, this guy is in this movie and I always spot him. He's in heat. He plays the police officer in heat. Um, just someone that uh, is worth noting and a person maybe we should get on one of the shows because he's going to probably be in every movie we talk about. <laughs> we definitely should. Let's, let's yeah. Get him. yeah, he's good. He's, he's the guy who laughs the hardest that jokes at uh, Joe's inappropriate jokes with the puppet. He's, he's laughing yeah. absolutely the hardest in those scenes. He's so, such a legend. And in heat, he's one of the cops who's cleaning up and cordoning off the first crime scene he's a big gentleman very thick broad shoulders black hair um tan skin and you can see him like helping to like cordon off things and he i think he might be one of the guys who talks to tv man um so if he you're is. a real heat yes. nut yeah so that you'll you'll know you'll know who, who we're talking about all right let's take a quick break um we're gonna do our final favorite quotes for our last and i'm gonna ask an a new category Really quickly, because this has been happening in all of our episodes, I'm going to ask both the lads two recommendations to watch with The Last Boy Scout. If you're going to do a triple feature, what are you Ooh. watching with The Last Boy oh, Scout? All right, I like let's, that. Let's take a quick break and we'll do our two favorite quotes. All right, I already sold mine. Um, my two favorite quotes, uh, you've heard me do impressions of them. Uh, I'm thinking about smoking some cigarettes. Mike Matthews, could you postpone? Joe, these are pretty good cigarettes. That's one of my favorites. And genuinely a line I've said 
almost as a reaction to every human being that has ever talked to me about Prince. I like Prince. And if they love the last Boy Scout, they get it. And otherwise they look at me blankly and I don't care. I don't care. Sometimes I actually prefer them to look at me completely blankly. So, um, uh, yeah, I, I love this movie. I could have picked the thousand, but they were my two favorites as I was preparing for the show. Rob, I know you've already done impressions uh, of some of your favorite quotes, but do you have uh, any others that you haven't said yet? Um, there's two. There's there's one, um, water's wet, sky's blue, women have secrets, and I wish I didn't still love my wife. It's like such a, it becomes his tagline and the tags out the movie, but it's like, love that about Joe. You know what I mean? Love that. Loyal. It's like he, Loyal to a fault. Loyal, like the misogyny is there, but it's also, he's just, he's just really hurt, man. And it doesn't excuse his behavior or, or the way he is, but you can at least see a, a why. And the other one is Jimmy Dix when they're going through the tunnel at the end and that dude, Dix, get out of here. You know, you broke my fucking nose. And he, and he grabs him and he's like, Jimmy Dix, you bastard. You broke my nose. What the fuck you doing here? You a bear. You a kicked off the fucking thing. How'd you like to get kicked off the fucking planet? Have a nice game. Anyway, those are two quotes, the kind that shred. Um, I'm going to have to, I mean, I have all these like notes jotted down and stuff. I'm going to just say like, <laughs> ain't, I got ain't life a bitch, obviously. <laughs> I'm gonna, you know yeah, what? I'm going to do it this line. way. I'm going to read just the ones I wrote down because they're not correct. Um, you alive? I don't know yet. Is that C4? Yeah, that had a hell of a factory recall. Dead guys don't make bad jokes, do they? No. Shit, we're alive. Yeah. Hooray. All private detectives are scumbags. Yeah, but that scumbag tried to get you killed. Well, friends can't be perfect. I wish the sky wasn't blue. I wish water wasn't wet. And I wish I didn't still love my wife. Is there a problem? You just killed Chip, I don't think. Just killed him. He put his fucking nose through his brain. I needed a light. Joseph, you don't disappoint me. You took an awful risk. Pablo here could have shot you dead. If you wanted me dead, you'd have killed me already. That's true. Can we do a formal introduction Who here? Who gives a fuck? You're the bad guy, right? I am the bad guy. And I'm supposed to be trembling with fear, something like that? Something like that. Fine. I'll start trembling in a minute. In the meantime, you think I could have a drink? I don't see why not. Pablo. Take Jet's corpse out of here and fix Mr. Hollenbeck a drink. Like that too. I don't know. I just, there were so many fucking lines. They said the word <laughs> fuck all the time. <laughs> it was so much cussing. Um, and I'll just leave it at this. At the end of the movie, you get a horse on the field going to the, the touchdown zone. And then that jig, man. The jig. Yeah. The jig. That you get horse this, too. When it, he, he throws the, the, the ball and then he pumps his fist in the air and he's riding that horse bareback. Yeah. And you're like, oh yeah, they're walking into Hallenbeck's house, and he's like, he's talking about how 
Jimmy Dix like randomly has some quote about how he rides horses and stuff. And it's like, it, it's such a great visual. Tony Scott's the best. I love him. Yeah. You see man on fire in, in the movie. I mean, you see his style and it's so, it's so great. Yeah. Two recommendations to watch with the last boy scout gentlemen. Um, I I've, I've been thinking about this and I just, I, I think like a classic one is for me, Nice Guys, Last Boy Scout, and the first Lethal Weapon because mm. of just how wildly different each of those stylistically feel, but are mm. all kind of at the same time. Like, Lethal Weapon's late 80s. Obviously, Nice Guys is 70s. This is early 90s. It's that kind of, like, bit of connective tissue, and I would watch them in, like, in the time that they're set chronological order. So I'd mm. finish with Boy Scout, and I'd start with Nice Guys and put Lethal Weapon in the, as the meat in the sandwich. Um, but I, 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 I'm very interested to hear, because that was only one of the ones that I had down. I had, a, like, more of a Tony Scott flavor. I had other filmmaking flavors that went around, like Buddy Cops. You could totally do a... Um, you know, uh, uh, a, a Walter, a bit of a Walter Hill pairing, and have like forty-eight hours, and then and then maybe you know, leave the weapon and Boy Scout, or you could just go all Shane Black or whatever the case may be, or all Tony Scotts. But uh, they, I, 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 I stuck with a Tony, I stuck with the uh, Shane Black theme for. I guess as a baseline of two recommendations, because I actually watched the Nice Guys last night, um, which is just. Superb, it's superb yeah. movie, effortlessly rewatchable, just like Boy Scout. So, um, what about you two gentlemen? What do you think? Would you pair or, or make a movie marathon with uh, the Last Boy Scout? I got it real uh, quick. Well, go let me. Mine's mine's yeah. very quick. Um, I I thought about this because you just brought it up, but I think I'm gonna stick with an LA theme here. Oh, um, I like it. And yes. I think like let's just go for big and surfy. Uh, let's go for Point Break to start and kind of get you feeling you know, action, Love it. California beaches. Then you're going to finish that, uh, you know, the biggest wave ever. He's never coming back. You're going to go into the last Boy Scout right after that, and you're just going to get gritty, dirty L.A. You're going to finish that postmodern masterpiece, and you're going to go back in time at the end. And right as you're going to bed, you're pouring your coffee, you're pouring your tea, your glass of wine, your scotch, whatever it is, you're going to put on Chinatown. You're going to watch <laughs> Whoa. Chinatown. Whoa! And you're going to go off into, like, an old school kind of trumpets uh, and uh, just, <laughs> Jerry Goldsmith. Yeah. End the night with, uh, with Chinatown. Wow. that's a great I, one. Guys, those are great. I mean, look to me, the definitive one is lethal weapon, nice guys and last boy scout. But I love what you're saying going through uh, the Walter Hill thing. And I love, I love just three by Tony Scott because, you know, man on fire is another one of my favorites, the remake with Denzel. And like, he's very, he's like, Joe Hallenbeck plus, you yes. know, in that movie. And I fucking love that movie. It's such a good one to see where the style begins and then just get goes absolutely aggro. Yeah. Um, but I, I'll go, I'll take a, I'll take a little ride. I, I think that's the best, but I'll take a little ride with Chris and get weird on the LA side and do three very different LA type uh, mystery noirs, which I guess would be I, I, I do a very different styles and, and vibes. Devil in a blue cool. dress, yeah, oh, some, great. Some good corruption, uh, and also another weird like mismatched duo, kind of when Mouse shows up at least. And then um, and that which is a recent watch for me, which I really like, and I'm embarrassed to say. Um, and then maybe I'll throw in the Grifters too for just oh, like wow. walking around. Uh, 
you know, a lot of good, fun character act. A JT Walsh performance for the ages in that for you, Chris. And um, another like those movies kind of feel more of like that Raymond Chandler vibe of uh, you know Chinatown and and like big mansions in Pasadena, but um, but still like all feel very LA in different ways to me. But no, I think the definitive the def- the definitive trifecta is Lethal Weapon, Last Boy Scout, The Knife, guys. And then, you know, 48 Hours in there and a couple other ones. That'd be great. Well, we'll that get, excellent. Well, we've got a nice nice list for anyone who wants to uh, double up that. I love I love Point Break into Last Boy Scout um, is, is very good because you can see before that it's... Um, you can see before that it would be so tragic if these two pair, if this pair doesn't get together and then you get them together in the last boy scout. And then you got to go back on your own in uh, Chinatown, Chris. And I do love devil in a blue dress, just a top, like great movie. Again, Rob, I'm a, I'm a recent adopter of devil in a blue dress. And I'm just like, wowza, that would be so great just to see same tonally um, really different, but guys, and you could go forward instead of backwards with Chinatown. Yeah. And stay around that area of yeah. release of Point Break and yeah. go into Strange Days and <laughs> yes. keep on the Bigelow. Yes, you could. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, it's right in the Bigelow, right in a Bigelow yeah. area. Um, guys, thank you so much. Uh, this has been great talking to you as always. Uh, the Honestly, um, that impression, Rob, um, that you did uh, earlier in the show was really a high... <laughs> Kim Coates... This chat is like the high is a high watermark. Thank you so much, and and Chris, so happy to hear that you fell in love with this movie. Like with one pan shot down into nineties LA, and you're like, "Yep, yeah, I love this movie." Like I, I, you sound so much like me because like there's certain movies where I start watching, I'm like, "Oh, I love this!" Like yeah. within two minutes, I'm like, "I'm going to yeah. love this so much." I love that you had that experience with this. Yeah, I'm so glad the movie. to hear that. <laughs> yeah, I remember buying the nice guys before I even saw it because I'm like, I'm gonna 100% watch this all the time. <laughs> like, there's, there's just, there's no way I'm not going to. So and stuff. <laughs> well, water is wet, sky is blue, women have secrets, and I love you guys. Thank you so much for listening to Too Much Movie. We'll be back. Uh, we've got. We are juggling what to do. We don't know which part of the 90s we're going to be in, but when we come back, just know because it's the 90s, you can't just hit someone. You've got to say some cool shit first. Nobody likes you. Everybody hates you. You're going to lose. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. 
Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.